be simply me, no matter what, nothing else matters. The podcast for personal inspiration, being you again and we much more, simply you, no matter what, nothing else matters. Meets today Annette Greenwood. She's a straight-talking Yorkshire woman, warm-hearted with care and compassion for those she serves. She specializes in helping women bounce back from tough times, overcome adversity and setbacks to life and empowerment living. Her expertise, wisdom, experience has helped many at all stages of life. With a high sense of intuition, she has the ability to gain insight into people's life's meaning. She can share vulnerable information that really helps. Her advice has been used in newspaper, magazines, articles, as well as radio interviews. An accomplished author, she recently re released her first novel, Imprisoned Heart, available on Amazon. Welcome, everybody, to my podcast, Be Simply Me. And today I'm totally delighted because I have Annette Greenwood here. Welcome, Annette. Thank you and welcome on this beautiful sunny day over here in the UK. Yes. Um, it's it's all about be simply me and everybody of us has a story to share and can inspire others what's your story I have probably like most of us Bernadette lots of different stories but the one that um, that resonates with me the most the one that I found has helped most people is my journey um, with um, mental health overcoming that adversity in my life many years ago which had plagued me for a number of years. What, what is it all about just to talk a little bit more about because okay. adversity it's like what is it actually about? Well it was about a battle We were just speaking earlier about the journey from the head to the heart. Mm -hmm. And my battle was constantly in my head. Everything I did, every decision I made, every emotional impact that happened in my life, I felt in my head all the time. I was constantly um, bombarded with negative thoughts and anxiety and depression. And I could never really get a, a clear mind or a peaceful mind or a peaceful heart and that went on for years and years and years and years and whenever any stress entered my life whether it be work stress family stress it would just straight away that was zoomed straight into my head and it would just stay there for you know for days weeks and months and I would find myself going further and further and further down the slippery slope of, of depression really. But um, as I'm working with a lot of clients, I always check out their origin. When you look back, did you have this adversity or this distress or this anxiety actually as a child as well? Yes, I would say that I did. I remember many occasions where, and it's a silly thing, but you know the say about, you know, biting your nails mm -hmm. is a sign of being anxious. And I would forever bite my nails and the my grandma when she was alive she'd be saying stop biting your nails I'm, I'd be wanting to bite my nails it was a, I suppose it was a bit of a leash really but I didn't know then at the time that it was I was anxious or depressed but looking back now and I can see what's happened and where it's come from yes I did I did uh, I, I, you, if you don't want to answer it's okay but where did it's it come fine. from the depression yes 
Um, I guess reflecting back on it now, it was always that um, the family I grew up in didn't have any money and things like that. And it was all, everything was always very, uh, there was always lots of arguments with my parents about money and things like that. Um, and that kind of probably had an influence on me at quite an early age. And when I was seeking out partners, love partners at a young age, I seemed to seek out men or young men at that time who seemed quite bold and brash and strong character and who would look after me because I just probably felt insecure and hadn't been looked after as a child, although they loved me, no doubt about it. But having seen so many arguments and things like that, you kind of get a little bit insular and draw into yourself. So I sought out all the wrong people because I wasn't confident enough to, to love myself. And isn't it, I always say the most important things what you actually need in life, you don't learn from home and you don't learn in school. Mm. And, and this is something I always thought it's an Austrian thing, but it seems like globally. And if you reflect back, what would you actually need it as child the most? I needed um, security. I needed love. And that comes from a money thing, doesn't it, as well? And I needed to know from my parents that um, I had, there was something in me that could make it in life. I needed that encouragement, which all children need, don't they? They need encouragement. Yeah. And I never really got that. And I'm, I don't sit here as a victim saying that. I sit here as a grown woman knowing how that feels. And when was, when was actually your, I always say, be simply me moment or this aha moment where you got it and just, you know, your mindset like made the click? It was many years later in my sort of 20s, 30s and beyond. I tried various things. I tried counseling. I tried psychotherapy and I could never bottom out what was going on. And then I had a real bad, um, a real bad carrying on for, for some years. And I was made redundant from my job. Now, I hated the job. So it was probably a good thing at the time. But I hated the job. And uh, it just I knew there was something else for me. And we moved area with my husband's job. And I was particularly going through this really bad depression and anxiety um, it, it was so bad. I just I was drinking. I started to drink. I was drinking during the day because I wasn't working because we were in a transition period. Um, and so daytime telly and, and drinking wine just became my friend and that I just got worse and worse and worse. And I got to a point where I was quite suicidal. Mm -hmm. I never actually did anything. But all the time I was getting these suicidal thoughts and um, I, I just didn't know where to go with it. I really didn't. And I was driving down a, a country lane because we'd moved right out into a rural area, which was a massive culture shock for me because I was used to living in the city with so many shops and cinemas and theatres and restaurants. And we'd moved to this place where there was nothing. Um, but actually, it's beautiful now because I, I'm, I'm changed as a person. But I was driving down this road and I was getting all these sort of negative thoughts going go on run yourself off the road you're not worth anything go on go on and I was driving and I'm clear as day Bernadette I remember I pulled the car off the road 
pulled it, ground it to a halt because there was like um, a hill at the other side of me and I could have like swerved it to the right and gone down this bank. I pulled it off the road and I just, I hit the steering wheel so hard it nearly broke my hand. And I went, no, 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 I am not going to do this. I am not. And it was like something inside of me. It was like, come on, it's in there. Get it, come on, it's there. Fight, fight and fight back. And from that that moment, I sort of sat there and I remember crying um, and I went home and I contacted, I saw an advert in, a, in the Daily Telegraph that we have over here and I saw an advert and it said, train your mind to try fight depression. And I thought, oh God, what's this? What is this? Because uh, I tried all these other things and I just saw it and something with it within that within me was going come on ring 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 this number ring it ring it so I rang the number and this doctor on the other end of the phone said um you can come and see me this is nothing that you've ever done before you'll have never experienced anything like this he said so I'll make you an appointment now he was in Oxford and I'm in Yorkshire so wow that was a big journey for me it was only two hours on the train but it was a big journey and we made this appointment and um, I went to see him and I expected the same old stuff. I expected him to give me a, a, a box of tissues and to say, you know, it's going to be all right. And they always, nothing, nothing like that. He just sat and he looked at me and he stared at me and he said, right, so now we begin. And I said, okay, so you want me to tell you about my childhood? You want me to tell? No, I don't. I don't want to know any of that. He says, what I want to know is what's going on inside? How are you feeling? I couldn't even tell him because I disconnected. I didn't even know. I knew there was a lot of turmoil going on in there, but in all honesty, I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and I just said, you know, I cry all the time. I'm this and I'm that. And he said, right, okay. He said, we are going to start on this journey and you're going to start, you're going to start with a daily um diary and I said a diary about what I'm doing he said no you write down what time you're going to bed what time you're getting up when you're eating when you're not eating and when you're going for a walk and he gave me all this this stuff that I had to do and I thought what is this what has this got to do with anything what has this got to do and he said this is a self-discipline and I thought self-discipline he said this is a way of training your emotions not to have control over you which is what they have at the moment but for you to get some control back in your life and it was for a, about a month after that after I'd just started in the very very early days I started to feel differently I started to see things again that I hadn't seen for many many years and I realized then it, it was a very disciplined practice and that I was going to have to actually throw myself into this and just trust the process and, and go into it with my eyes open and really work at it. And that's what I started to do. So that was in 1999. Um, and I just, that, that whole, and I still practice today, but that whole thing was the thing that, the catalyst that changed my life. And even now, when I talk about it, I feel tearful because I know if it hadn't been for that, I don't know where I'd have been. I really don't. I don't. And that's from my heart. That's the truth. I don't know where I'd have been, Bernadette. I don't. 
sometimes such people, I call them kick-ass angels, <laughs> are the ones who are saving your life. Because in, for me, I was highly suicidal in 1992. I was in France. And I still remember also my story about this one and writing down something and getting a structure, getting so simply things. What When you are totally in depression and suicidal, you look at this person, you're like, what? Mm. And sometimes such easy stuff is exactly the right things. And sometimes yeah. you truly need kick-ass angels like this one. Oh, and it was definitely a kick-ass angel and has still been a, a kick-ass angel 20 years later because I, I evolved and I threw myself into the practice and it changed my life. It then became a spiritual practice, but I didn't know that at the time. He never once gave me an indication of what was going to happen. I had to trust and I had to put myself into it and I had to keep working at it. And it was only, I remember going on holiday to Scotland and we went around this beautiful garden. Well, I kind of, when I was in the depression, as you will know, nothing lights you up, does it? You can't see anything. You can't, nothing's colorful anymore. And we went into this garden and it was in flower with rhododendron bushes and I, the first time I got this feeling and it came right up from my boots and I thought, what is this? And I, the only way I could describe it to him was it feels spiritual. It feels spiritual. And I'd never felt that before. And he said, exactly. You are now, now going further into the journey and into all these emotions that have been crippling you for so long and learning to live with them and, you can see how it changes you. It changes how you think and how you behave and how you act. When I think of some of the things I must have said all those years ago, it's horrifying. You know, when you're in a bad place, <laughs> you just don't say anything really good, do you? So, yeah. And also your surrounding and everything else. And Is there any three insights or tips you can give to an audience who is exactly at the moment, at this stage where, where you before? I would say one of the first things that I learned was nothing stays the same. Everything changes. And so when you're in your darkest hour and you think it's never going to get any better, it will. Things will change. And I learned to trust that even now with what we've got going on in the world. I trust and I know that nothing will stay the change, same and it will change. That is the first thing I learned. Then the second thing was moving from the head to the heart is trusting the wisdom. Trust the wisdom of your heart. It won't let you down. Don't be afraid to listen when it speaks. And you've got sometimes got a battle on with your head and your heart. Just trust it and it won't let you down. I found that that's, that is a hundred percent guaranteed. And the third thing is you will always make mistakes in life and it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn. You will never stop making mistakes. I make them all the time. I don't make it a habit, a purposeful habit. But, you know, we might do things and we think, oh, God, that was okay. So learn from it and move on. It helps you to grow when you make a mistake, providing you're doing it with the right intentions. Those are the three things. I, I can't, it's just beautiful. I can't addition anything because these are the key points. These are the key points I experienced. And for me, it's like, um, for me, it's heartbreaking seeing so many still depression, suicide, even yeah. more than ever uh, with the lockdown, because this yeah. is uh, 
kind of ch a challenge we never experienced before. Now we begin to handle something mm. and yet it's, it's still a challenge. And for me, I always said after going through, uh, like Ch Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, just keep going. Yeah. Because at the end, at the end, there is always a light in everything else. And that's what I experienced as well. And I just changed my point on everything what I learned. Mm. And for me, it would be also very interesting. What was the next step after your aha moment, after you went through? Where were your next steps? And what was your inner drive to go on? So once I found that aha moment and I, I started to see that things would get better and I could change, I could change my life. I'd had this burning desire inside that I wanted to help other people um, particularly women, because I'd been in a domestic violence relationship previously mm -hmm. as a very young woman. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I thought, you know, I know there is so much that I can share and help other women with. I just know it. And there was this massive synchronicity in my life. I don't know if you're a believer in synchronicities, but I had this amazing synchronicity where I'd, I'd joined a, a networking group because I wanted to do some work for myself and I was training in life coaching and I was training with, with Clive, Dr. Sherlock, with the practice. So all that was you know, good growth and good foundation for me. And I had this phone call from somebody who knew about my work because I was doing a lot of community work at the time for a charity. And she said, oh, we're looking for somebody to coach, you know, women in prison. Would you be interested? And I said, oh, gosh, would I ever? I, I'd, I'd love to, you know, go and see what, what it's about. So I went for this. It was like an open day, really, rather than an interview. And I went to this prison. It was a, an open prison. And the women, you know, had been in for all sorts of crimes from, um, you know, murder, um, drug-related, sex offences. And they were coming to the end of their sentences in many cases. So I went and I, the minute I walked in, I just knew I was in the right place and this is what I was meant to be doing. So I took on that contract and I worked there for two years coaching women um, it was full on at times. It was really full on. But I, I just loved it. And that I just felt this is my purpose. This is my passion. And I can help other women. All right. Maybe not every woman in prison, because there were some people who had never, never wanted to change. They were going to go back in again. But what I thought was, there are some of those women who, when they come out, they will want to change. And so I set up a project in a community working with women who were on probation, just come out of prison, women in domestic violence, and anybody who felt they needed some support and a leg up in life. And it started and grew from there, and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew, until it got, it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and the project was getting bigger and bigger. Um, I wrote a book, because that again was about uh, women, you know, a woman going to prison and it, it sort of led me into so many different directions, but it also led me to still want to, to work with women on an individual basis. So as well as the women in that group, I was working with private clients as well. And I still do to this day. I still do. And I, you know, I do videos and things like that. And anything that I can help resonate somebody with where I'm at or where they're at is I will seek to do that because I know 
it just takes one thing, doesn't it? It could be one tiny thing that I say on one day where somebody sat at home and I never, I never make the assumption all these women that listen to my story or my message are women who are depressed or um, living on benefits because there are women right across the board, Bernadette, as you will know, who are in high-flying executive jobs, they're in relationships that they hate, they're in jobs that they hate, and they're dreadfully unhappy and they don't know how to escape it. So it's, you're still trapped. But, and, and so I just feel if I can get a message out there and share what I've learned and help people overcome their adversities and challenges, I'm, I'm on the right path. That, that's where I am. I'm truly impressed. I love what you're doing. I love your support to so many women out there. Please keep on. Oh, I will man. give all your contact details to the podcast, but I still want to ask you, how can people reach you? So they can reach me um, by uh, my email. Do you want me to say that now on here? Yes. Yeah, so that's Annette at AnnetteGreenwood.com. So they can reach me on there. I have a Facebook page, Annette Greenwood um, Coaching and Author. I've got my website, which is AnnetteGreenwood.com. That's going under, uh, going to be sort of re revamped this year, but there's, there's details on there and people can look at what I've done on there. And there's a contact form as well. Just reach out if you want to know more and you feel I can help or you want to collaborate, reach out. I'm sure, you know, we can all together between us just make it a little bit better for people at the moment. Yes, it's just so beautiful said. It's a beautiful ending. Thank you very much for, have, for your, having you on my podcast and for your time, Annette. And truly you, in my world, you rock. It's just beautiful oh. what you're doing. Thank and supporting you. so many women because my deepest belief is that women need a lot of help mm. um, and also men, of course. Um, and yeah. you do tremendous work. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been my great pleasure. Sending much love. Thank you. You simply are more than you think, but feel, see, hear and know.